down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Hall And their dog Ninja Hey guys, welcome to episode 297 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, we have a very cool story lined up tonight. Can't wait to get into it. We've got other stuff we're going to talk about, like the investigation. we got the, the Whispers Estate. That's cool. And we have a special guest tonight, Sophia Temporarily. She's known as the Ghost Host. She's a 23-year-old paranormal talk show host, but she's been investigating since she was eight years old. Wow. And for her. she gets involved with a lot of really well-known people. Mm-hmm. So, she does. Really cool. First, obviously, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for all of your hard work, you men, women, and service animals. Yes, God bless you guys. We are so thankful for you all watching over us the way that you do. We'll keep praying for you guys every day. Please stay safe and come home soon. Tracy, as usual, we want to reach out to anyone who may be struggling right now for any reason, just to let you know you've got somebody here who cares that will talk to you and listen to you. And most of the time, that's really all that's needed is somebody to just listen. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't tell you how important it is. You don't have to be a professional to listen to somebody. No, not at all. And, uh, you know, there's people have different things that bother them. It doesn't make everybody necessarily depressed or what have you, but... There are times that are tougher for people than other times. Yes. Uh, and if we can use this this minute to reach out to a good friend of the show, Tiffany Boots, because she had to put one of her uh, pets down, her dog, the other day. Yeah, very sad. It was very sad. And, and um, you know, so, I mean, sometimes when you have a situation like that, you just need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And we just want you to know that between us and our group of 5,500 people now, Every one of those 5,500 people had to agree to listen and help in order to be a part of that group. Yeah. How blessed is that? Just to have so. all those people um, to listen for you. And if you don't want to do it that way, or, you know, you can give Jerry and I um, a call. We'd be glad to talk with you. You can call the 800 number at 273-8255. You can also text to 741-741. All right, Tracy. So we're going to jump into this. A uh, lot of stuff going on tonight, so kind of kind of excited. Obviously, I want to thank, before we get into the story, the paranormal crew from the 502 for inviting us out to take part in the uh, investigation at Whispers Estate in Mitchell, Indiana. We had an exciting and a very active night, and we're going to talk about that in detail after we get through with the story. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you guys. we got so much to tell you. It's so exciting. All right. So... I know I've done this before, that occasionally before I do any research on a story, I will just look around and say, what state in the U.S. have we really not covered as much? And 
I did that this time before I decided on the story. I said, let me let me see if there's a state out there that has been kind of neglected a little bit. And what stood out to me this time was Rhode Island. So I found a good story right in the capital city of Providence. Nice. Fun fact, Rhode Island is actually the smallest state in the United States. No kidding. Yes. I did not know that. So the story we're going to cover tonight, if we can talk over top of Ninja's snoring, which is extremely loud. Sorry, y'all. He has a cold. It's the Graduate Providence. Now, if I was to tell you a place was called the Graduate Providence, what would you think it was? Uh, a good place. I have no idea. A good place to graduate from. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a hotel. No, no, I wouldn't have guessed that. And this hotel was originally called the Biltmore Hotel. There's a lot of Biltmore Hotels. I was going to say, really? I know there's one in California. I know there's one in North Carolina. There's one in Florida. But it was called the Biltmore Hotel, and it opened in 1922. It was renovated um, because the graduate of Providence bought it, took it over in 2017. It's a beautiful place. Absolutely gorgeous. The hotel has quite a past, though. And it has received national attention for its paranormal activity. Okay. See, that just goes to show. Somebody asked me, my friend Justin, one time when we first started doing the podcast, Mm -hmm. probably hadn't been doing it for three months. He's like, but won't you eventually run out of stories? (laughs) We've been doing this almost six years. I look at every list out there. Mm -hmm. And yet, here's a a one listed as one of the most haunted hotels in the country. It's on several lists, and I've never heard of it until now. Six years. Yeah. I mean, 365 days of working on this thing for six years. And I did, I've did. i run across new places. Oh, okay. I'm sure. There's no way we could cover everything. So, yeah, you'll, you'll never run out of places. But anyways, what would cause all of this haunting in this beautiful hotel? Well, slow down, baby birds. I'll feed you. <laughs> A little history first. The hotel was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1977. It's also a member of the Historic Hotels of America. And that's the group that uh, basically makes sure that these hotels are kept to a certain standard. Oh, okay. You know, so. Most believe that the original owner is the reason for the hauntings. Johann Lise Weisskopf. He financed and owned and opened the hotel in 1918. Well, he financed it in 1918 and opened four years later, so it took four years of construction. Now, why would Weisskopf be the reason for the hauntings? Did he die there or something? That's what most people would assume. Well, I would assume that, yeah. Not the case. What did he do, kill somebody there? He was a very open and known Satanist. Oh. He would use the hotel to educate the public about Satanism and its perks. Oh, there's perks? I mean, I don't know what the perks would be. I mean, uh, maybe the highway to hell doesn't have tolls. I don't know. Maybe that. I don't know. Uh, That's a good question. Free air conditioning? I don't know. (laughs) In hell? Well, I mean, if it was free, it would cost a lot if you had to air condition hell. Well, I would imagine. Anyways. But regardless of whatever perks he thought it was, obviously I must have missed that brochure. So the man was a Satanist. You would think, okay, big deal. Well, it kind of was. Because what follows were years of animal sacrifices, weekly rituals, murders, and even more at this hotel. What a douche. There were actually chicken coops installed on the roof 
to make sure that there was a steady flow of animals for the rituals that he performed. No. Yes. I don't like him. Weisskopf made no excuses for his intentions to familiarize New Englanders with his religion. So during the 1920s, it was also prohibition. The, the uh, basement area served as a speakeasy. Many high-powered businessmen, government officials, and police frequented the underground concealed bar. So he had a really large following, yes. I guess. Well, I don't think everybody who went to the hotel like those people were Satanists. But I think he just made it clear, hey, you know, I'm a Satanist and I'd like to teach you about it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think he was out knocking on doors, but I think anybody that came to the hotel, he would share his beliefs with. Hmm. The bar, like I said, literally was underground because it was in the basement. There was also a hot spring in the basement. How about that? That's, well, that, I don't know. That's different. The speakeasy was also visited by several members of the mob. During this time, multiple murders saw at least six police indicted and implicated in the crimes. Wow. Other murders included the drowning of an 11-year-old prostitute. <gasps> 11 years old? This murder was said to have been committed by late Providence Mayor Vincent Buddy Sionic Jr. or Rhode Island's current governor at the time. One of, one of them two were blank. So you've got at least six murders where cops were said to have killed people inside the place, like corrupt cops. Yeah. It wasn't just like, hey, they were following a lead and... It was like they like they were corrupt cops who were just killing people for whatever reason, either to rob them or yeah. whatever. That's a shame. And then the, I was talking about the, the current governor at the time and then the former mayor. Both of them were also accused of several sexual assaults. Now, obviously, with murders, the mob and satanic rituals happening on site. That's a bad mixture. There is probably going to be some paranormal activity. The hotel is considered to be one of the most haunted hotels in all of America. There have even been rumors of possible human sacrifices, though that has not been proven. I mean, theoretically, if there were murders, let's say some of these cops, some of these murders that happened by cops. I mean, I don't know what the, I I didn't see the reasons for death. Like I did gunshot victims or, I mean... Who's to say that some of these people weren't brought there by the cop to be sacrificed? And then the cop got pinned for the murder. Might have been something that a a cop would have been willing to do to say, yeah, you know, I'll I'll take the the blame for it as part of my allegiance to Satan or something. That's ridiculous. Well, I'm not saying it happened. I'm just saying theoretically. I know, but why would you do that? Well, I mean, why do suicide bombers blow themselves up? Because well, that's very true. I mean, yeah. if, depending on the religion and how deeply rooted your belief system are, you could do everything. I mean, you could do anything. Mm-hmm. Just, I guess, I, I just mean, a lot of people have done crazy, never understand crazy stuff with the whole mentality of God told me to. Right. No matter who their God is. Right. All right. So there's also a rumor of a successful businessman who checked into the hotel on October 28, 1929. The next morning after the news of the stock market crash for the Great Depression, he jumped out of the 14-story window and died when he hit the sidewalk. Uh, I'm sure he did. He said to be still be haunting the 14th floor, and he supposedly completely 
reenacts his death on a regular basis. Oh, my gosh. Some of the guests in the lower floors have reported seeing someone fall past their window, only to not find anybody on the ground below. Mm. Now, many of the murder victims here have been seen at various different times all over the hotel and the hotel's grounds just walking around, including the 11-year-old prostitute. Just to hear those words they uttered. Don't, they don't go together. Do no, they? they don't. They don't. Uh, oh. I could see like an 11-year-old victim that's forced to do stuff, but not like on their own. And I don't know if that's the case or not. That could be the case that, mm-hmm. you know, she was and that's still like sad. A human trafficking. Yeah, thing. that's horrible. Many guests claim to hear the sounds of a large party right around the witching hour of 3 a.m. They hear laughter, glasses clinking, and drunken groups of people dancing. Locks will turn on their own. And, of course, there are plenty of apparitions that are commonly seen around the grounds. The paranormal encounters here are too numerous to even mention. But you just ask any long-term guest or employee of the hotel, and they'll almost all have one. The rest of what we're going to talk about here are sightings that I found from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was, I thought it was going to be harder than it was to find some of these sightings. But there's a video on YouTube, and this man was in his room, and it was about from eight years ago. Mm-hmm. But he claims that his bathroom door had, like, just popped open three times in the last 30 minutes. So he gets his camera out, his camera phone and he goes to where he's telling the story, but he's focusing on the door. Uh-huh. And then as you're watching the door, it does slam open again. And he immediately walks into the bathroom and shows that there's nobody in there. Oh, my gosh. He was in room 1102. Now, someone responded in, in the comments down below and said, this video is real. I've stayed in that hotel many times, and no matter what room... Or a floor that I'm in, creepy stuff happens. I've encountered strange knocks on the walls, bangs and bumps from across the room, and an eerie feeling that you're not alone. Someone named Leslie said that they stayed there in 1996, and her closet door opened all by itself, and that made her a believer in ghosts. (laughs) That'll do it. Erin said that her dad stayed there, and he kept going into the bathroom, and, and and he would always look and notice that the closet doors were open mm-hmm. because he's OCD, so he would yeah. close it. And then when he would come back in, they were open they again. They were open again. Oh. And it happened every time he went into that bathroom. Then he heard a sound that sounded like a tea cart being pushed uh, all over the outside at around 2 a.m. He also heard loud high heels walking through his room. He was tired, and he had a conference early the next morning, so he yelled, Okay, I know you're here, and he said it had stopped. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what you have to remind him, that you're, you know, he's not on a night owl, so he don't want to stay up all night. Rick said that he encountered several people in the 20s-style clothes holding cocktails on the elevator, but they never got off on any floor. Aww. Just every time the elevator opened, those people were on there. Last one. This is actually a TripAdvisor review from Lori K. It's four stars. 
June of 2014. My boyfriend and I stayed in room 1233 on June 23rd. We heard the stories but never expected to have anything happen to us. We went to sleep at approximately 9.30 p.m. because we had to get up early. I was asleep and out of nowhere, there was something walking above my head on the pillow like a dog slowly stepping on the pillow above me. I heard its nails on the bathroom tile. During the experience, I could not move and I tried to yell my boyfriend's name. He was out cold. I woke him and I asked if he felt anything. He got aggravated that I woke him up. (laughs) I finally fell back to sleep at 5 a.m. We woke up at 6.15. I told him what had happened to me. Now, he's a skeptic, so I didn't expect him to believe me. He stared at me when I told him. He said, whatever it was, it just stopped creeping up and down the bed in between us. He said it lasted almost a half hour and he couldn't move. He's no longer a skeptic. We both can't stop thinking about this. I loved the hotel and was looking forward to visiting my daughter and staying there. But now I'm kind of afraid of what might happen if I do. See, I'd probably want to go back to see what else happens, like if anything else would happen. Yeah. That's cool because then he realized it too. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's funny because I guess that happened maybe after she went back to sleep. Back to sleep, right. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm surprised he owned up to, since he was a skeptic, you know what I'm saying? Well, he may not have owned up to it if she didn't already have a story about it, too. Well, that's very true. Yeah, because if it happened to him, he probably is not going to say nothing. Yeah, but because she said it and and he could say it's very similar to what happened to to me. (laughs) No, it was a little doggy. I bet. It could be. He could, like, probably slept between his little owners or something. Could be. But that's sweet, though. So, how about that? You got a story with a, a satanic owner and all that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, while we're on that subject, will you pull up that review, Tracy? Oh, yes, I will. Hang on. Give me one second. All right. So, we have a longtime listener to the show. And she's given us a very positive review in the past. And this time... She wrote us a one-star review. (laughs) But I completely understand. So, Tracy, will you read the review? Yes. It's called Pan is Not the Devil. Pan was demonized by the Christians so they could start murdering the indigenous of pre-UK. Pan has absolutely nothing to do with Satanists and is not Satan the enemy as the Christians like to pretend, just to justify their murder. Satan is Hebrew for enemy. You've insulted and hurt many who love you. All right. So with that being said, that is in reference to, we played uh, on the classic episode Friday, the Rock and Roll and the Occult version, or episode two, which was literally episode 12. So it was the 12th Mm -hmm. episode. It was Tracy's second episode. This goes back almost six years ago. Now, with that being said, that's what we said back then. And I will be completely honest. Six years ago, I didn't know near as much about anything paranormal or uh, some of these religions-wise or um, 
druids or any type of paganism. I didn't know anything back then. And yes, that's exactly what I said, because that's what I got from the research that I did. On that particular story that we were doing, I didn't do a ton of research. I used a couple of articles. Mm-hmm. And as Gypsy said, that's the picture that's painted. Well, I grew up Catholic. That's what I've always heard yeah. about Pan. Now, six years down the road, I've learned a lot more about different religions. Uh, I mean, I've got several friends now that are witches, different versions of witches. I didn't even know any of that really existed back mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. All I heard growing up were witches were bad people. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that anymore. No, of course I haven't not. for a long time. And I will say the same thing about Pan. What I said on that show at the time was what I believed. But I now realize that that is not the truth. So anyone that I might have offended by saying that Pan was evil or the devil, I would like to give my sincerest apologies because that is not my belief now. But that was my belief when that show came out five and a half years ago or so. Mm -hmm. So she had a very good point. and, And if she hears this, I hope she realizes that Obviously, by playing that episode, I don't go back and listen to every second of these episodes. I didn't even remember saying it, but I remembered it once it was pointed out because I think it was on the uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven part, Mm -hmm. if I remember. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to say, say for anybody who heard that and took offense or said that's not the case, I do realize today that that's not the case. Yeah. And haven't felt that way for a long time, but uh, I do want to reach out and say if somebody took offense to it, I'm sorry because that's not the way I feel today. And I realize that that's not the case. We're sorry. sorry. I was still kind of trying to get over about the Stairway to Heaven song. <laughs> or all the all the stuff that I was learning. And I was a newbie, so I really didn't know anything. So we're sorry. We love y'all. And thank you for bringing that up, honey. Because we know now. Yes, absolutely. So thank you, Gypsy. All right. My we, head itches. We have got to get... Well, if you run a comb through it once God, in a while man. or something. Man. All right. We're going to talk about this investigation. So I purposely put out this past Friday, the Whisperers Estates episode that we did. Because um, I wanted people to be familiar with it. And we didn't know at the time if anything was going to happen or not when we went there. We, I just knew, you know, that was going to be, we were going there that night. So I thought it would be cool to put it out just so everybody could be familiar with it if something did happen. Yeah. So we get there and we obviously was invited by the, uh, Paranormal crew from the 502, Eva and Stacy were leading uh, the events that night. We met a lot of great people. Oh, my gosh. Part of the it's crew. so nice. And, uh, you know, I just had a, a great time overall. And we've been on a bunch of these things. And I'll be honest with you. And I told them ahead of time, we're not going to stay all night. We'll probably stay two or three hours. And then we'll have to head back home because it's about two and a half hours away from us. Mm-hmm. But... We almost didn't want to come home because after three hours, <laughs> we were having so much activity in this house. I, I don't think I've ever been as excited. Now, I mean, keep in mind, we've been to the Sally house. I experienced nothing. I mean, a little bit of stuff on like the Obulus machine that's, you know, you'll hear something and, and some of it's up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big spirit box guy. So, and it seems like that's what most of, the, most of the time when you go on these investigations, that's what everybody hangs their hat on. Did you hear this right here? It said green. And I, I, I just asked a question about grass. Or, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's but really, that's not always it's the really case. grasping for struggle. But I mean, a lot of times that's like the best you get. Well, 
this was completely different. Oh my gosh. And it didn't start off that way. So we get out there and we, we familiarized ourselves with the surroundings. Absolutely beautiful place. Oh, it's gorgeous. Beautiful place and creepy. And very creepy. Mm-hmm. So we get there and just to refresh some memories, there's a, there's a little girl named Rachel. I believe she was six or seven years old. And during the time there was a doctor who lived there. And he did, he was like, there wasn't much out there. So he did surgeries and everything mm-hmm. else in the house. And sure, he had lost some patients and what have you. But um, his daughter, Rachel, they had, for God knows why, they had a Christmas tree with candles on it. Real candles. Lit. Lit <laughs> candles. And she apparently got too close, caught her garments on fire, and she died in the house. Well, she supposedly haunts the house, and they have a room upstairs Set up with dolls all over the bed. Well, this was actually her bedroom. Right. Right. No, I just want to make sure they yeah, that was Yeah, that was her bedroom upstairs, but they've got it set up now with dolls and stuff everywhere. But that was her bedroom when she was alive. Then there's another uh, boy by the name of Gary. He was autistic, and there was a family that lived there in the 1980s. And apparently he somehow got out of his room. I don't know if it was the middle of the night or what situation, but he had left his room and he fell down the steps and passed away. Mm-hmm. Those two rooms were where we spent a good bit of our time. Mm-hmm. There's also a bathroom upstairs where a gentleman was either found dead or he drowned in the bathtub, but they found him dead in the bathtub. I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact cause of death, but there's stuff there. But there's those were kind of the rooms where we spent some time. So when we started off, we went to Rachel's room. And like I said, all kinds of dolls everywhere. People just bring dolls and drop them and they put them. So the whole bed is covered in dolls. Mm-hmm. And then all the shelving in the room is covered in dolls. So. Mm-hmm. It's really cool, actually. So we went up there. There was probably about 12 of us, I would say. And um, Eva and Stacy, they set up on both ends uh, on a nightstand next to the bed. They set up a flashlight. And then uh, right straight across on the other side of the room, they set up another flashlight on the dresser. Or a, a, little, it was like a little round table. Yeah. So they set set it up. And they used one of the machines. I can't remember what SLR. I can't remember what it's called. But it's basically you use an Xbox Connect and you hook it to a laptop or a, a iPad or something of that nature. And it shows you basically like a, it's a it's a night camera. To where you don't see the colors and stuff, but like you can see a little bit of background. And if somebody's sitting there, you can see they're kind of just whited out. You can mm-hmm. see their outer like, shape. Like, yeah, their form. It. You don't see any details. Mm-hmm. This thing is designed to show almost like a video game. If you've ever seen them do a video game for like sports where they'll put all the electrodes on the person. And then when they move and they jump, it, it, it will, you know, they get all the electrodes all over their arms. And all you see is the little dot. You don't mm-hmm. see the person. That's what this thing shows. It's almost like seeing a skeleton. Yeah. You know, but you see the little dots and stuff. Well, when we're in, when you're do, doing this, um, they can see if, if an entity basically is on the screen because it's it's in front of wherever mm-hmm. and it shows up. And there shouldn't be anything showing up if it's just a person or whatever. All right. So that's, they, the flashlights and that were the basic equipment. So we go into Rachel's room. We had the flashlight set up. All the dolls were in the bed. On um, it's a it's a uh, a big bedroom bed setup, mm-hmm. big bed setup. And on each poster of the bed, it's got a flat surface, and they had a blow up beach ball, mm-hmm. and it sits there. Now these balls were not completely 
uh, inflated. Right. They were so, a little flat. Right. It was a little bit flat. So they sat perfectly on there. They mm-hmm. weren't just going to roll. Right. It took some effort to, for them to roll. But, and, and there was no wind, no ceiling fans, nothing like it, no air conditioning. Uh, everything was fine. Well, we tried to, to connect with Rachel for probably seven, eight minutes, but we got nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. So we decided to go into Gary's room. He mm-hmm. was the, it was the bedroom of the little boy that, that fell down the steps. This was a completely different scenario. Once again, set up the, the lights on both sides. Now he doesn't have any beach balls or nothing, but no. there is a, there is a closet that you can open the door. And he is said to have opened this door on occasion for people. But you open the door and it's a, it's a little small walk-in closet, uh, walk-in closet that's got some toys and stuff like that in there. But in his room, as they start asking questions, one of the flashlights popped on. And it was like, for me, that's the first time I've been on any investigation where they use the flashlights, and almost everybody does. Mm-hmm. And those where, little lights, yeah. Yeah, to where it came on, like the little pin lights. Yeah, and we were all against the wall, like nowhere Nobody near any of it. Nobody near it. And, it, and then the one across there, that one would turn off. And that was sitting That was sitting on a little round table mm-hmm. by where I was sitting. And that one would turn off. Now, I actually got some video. Uh, now, most of this was in complete darkness, so my video just didn't turn out. But this one actually did because Tracy was sitting right next to the light, and I had the video on her. And when they asked Gary if he could turn the light off, it went off mm-hmm. on cue. And I actually got that on video. So I'm yes. going to post all this stuff in the next couple of days. I've just been slammed trying to get the shows out. But I'm going to post this. And then the other light across the room would come on. And it would always happen on cue. It would always happen when there was asked a question. Mm-hmm. Do you like this? Do you like that? Is your name Gary? Mm-hmm. Are you in here with us? It would never just randomly come on. None of these Mm-mm. lights. But they would take turns off and on. Those lights switching off and on with nobody around us. So then we decided... And, uh, and when we decided to leave rooms, that's what I actually caught on camera was asking, hey, if, you know, hey, we're, we're okay now. We've, we've bugged you enough, basically, right now. We're going to go. Is that okay? And we'll check back with you later. And the light went off. Mm-hmm. So that's when we left. And so no, we, we didn't leave yet. Is that when the door opened? No. Not yeah. yet? No, that came back. Oh. No, actually, there was. That, that it, was before that. Okay. So, yes. We're in there, and I'm on one side of the door, and Tracy's on the other side. It was literally right between us. Mm -hmm. And this door was shut and latched. Yeah, and we watched her try to pull it open. It would Mm -hmm. not come open. And as we're sitting there and talking, the door just pops open. He said, somebody said something about, Gary, can you open your door or show us your toys? That's what it was. Yeah, show us your toys. Can you, can you, do you want to show us your toys? And the door opened up. Yes, and I about... Peed my britches. <laughs> and we tried to get uh, we tried to get him to move. Because there was a line of like little matchbox cars. Yeah. Like seven or eight. We tried. And they were all lined up perfectly. We tried to get him to move one of the cars. But he wouldn't. But right there, the door popping open and the flashlights. That's the most I've ever experienced on one of these investigations. Yeah. Right that, there. And then she had it in her. She was holding that thing. And he was always by me. Like he was dancing. Yes. Yes. So we talked about the, the Xbox Connect thing. I've got some video where it's it's not great video because I took my phone and went over to the screen and I'm just filming the screen. But you can see this little thing. You can see Tracy's just little white silhouette. And apparently this thing loved Tracy because or this person entity because it was always over there dancing. There was 12 people in the room and it was always over there. 
So this thing is like literally like dancing. You can see it looks like <laughs> dancing motions. And then it, it goes away. But it was like, it was so cool to see that. Oh, my gosh. It was, you guys, I, I'm telling you. I, I mean, you literally had goosebumps, but then you were so excited. It was like so many different emotions at once. You were so excited that it happened. But then you're like, oh, my God, there's like somebody right beside me. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of like that. But, man, oh, man. And and then we, we all took turns. We closed the door. We all took turns, like, jiggling the mm-hmm. hand to make sure. And then, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. So then we go back into Rachel's room. Yeah, because that one guy that was filming said, I heard a th- something fall or yes. something. He said, I heard a thud or something. And it was during when we were talking. So we go in there, and one of the beach balls was now on the floor. Mm-hmm. So we put it back up. They set the cameras. I mean, the... Uh, uh, the little Xbox thing back up, and so now we're we're we got the flashlights on, and we're talking. Now the flashlights start going off and on, and there to the questions. Mm-hmm. And they ask her if she knocked the ball off while we were in the other room, and can she do it again? And the ball flopped off of the the uh, poster poster thing. bed and hit the floor, and you could hear everybody just start cheering. Now she did it like three times. Mm-hmm. And the last time, it was, like, smacked hard. And yeah. there's nobody around this thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody around it. Now, the time that it, uh, the second time that it fell off, they actually have a recording. Now, you can't see the ball, but what they're doing is they're watching it through the, the Xbox thing. Yeah. And so you can see the white ball. It just looks like a white ball. You don't see any of the colors. And you see the poster, and you see it fall off. Mm-hmm. And then you, you hear everybody start cheering when mm-hmm. it happened. And the other cool thing, we told you that that thing picks up like entities. Mm-hmm. You can see it on the bed several times over by the ball. Mm-hmm. Every, almost every time. Wasn't it like got, a purple something or? Uh, yeah, it was like a pink. Uh-huh. Or but every time the ball would get knocked off, they would they, they were telling us before it happened. And she's standing right there on the bed, at the bed right next to the ball. She's standing right next to the ball. So they could see the entity there when there was nobody else there, but they could see it with this thing. And some of this we got on, on tape. I, oh, my God. So we ended up having to leave. Well, well, let's go to that. We went down to the basement. Yeah, yeah. You talk about creepy. This is the old style basement. Mm-hmm. And it was very cold. So we get down there and they've got the light set up on a wall. For some reason, the wall behind us, there was a concrete wall, but it only went about two thirds of the way up. Yeah. And then there was, you could kind of peek over to the rest of the, uh, the yeah. rest of the basement. So they put a light up in there and they started doing the Estes method there. Yeah. Where they had somebody, we had like a little, um, um, app that was, uh, what do you call it? A spirit box app. Yeah. And then they sent somebody up the steps with the headphones on so they couldn't hear what we were asking. We were kind of whispering stuff. And, uh, what was it that said at the, at the, at the, you know, flashlight deal going off nonstop? Oh, yeah. They asked us thing didn't work great. There wasn't a whole lot. But at the end, we said, well, we're going to go now or something. And then the person upstairs yelled, good. Yeah. That's what came through. Was good. <laughs> So that, I thought that was kind of yeah, funny. and then the flashlight went off. It yeah, was and crazy, then the y'all. Went off. Yeah, but well. the, the one of the videos I got, I got another video. I actually used my light. I wasn't supposed to because supposedly they don't things come to you more than light. But I actually had my light on, and I was focusing on the beach ball, hoping the beach ball would fall off, but it didn't. But I, I squatted down a little bit with the camera to where you could see the light on. And this is when we decided to leave Rachel's room that second time, and we said, you know, hey, if if you you know we bothered you enough and you're probably tired but you saw you used a lot of energy knocking the balls off and operating lights so 
is it okay if we leave and let you get some rest and come back? Then the lights start flickering. They're like, you know, if you want us to go ahead and leave, if that's okay, turn the light off. And the light goes off. Mm-hmm. I did get that on video. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome, y'all. If y'all, anybody gets a chance to go to this place, this place is so legit. And then there's like a really cool book that people write in and tell if they experienced anything, which really, you know, was really interesting. But you all need to check this place out. It was I never in my life thought I would see such things that went on that night. And everybody was excited, too, because uh, they've been there, what, two or three times, two maybe? Two times before that. that two times time. before that. And they said that they have never had nothing like yeah, that night. Yeah, a little bit here and there. But yeah, nothing but nothing like, like what they experienced that night. So We took full credit. <laughs> but the owner, uh, Dan... We didn't get a chance to meet him. No, we had to leave. He's actually in a band, and he was playing up the mm-hmm. road. And he came after we left, and they went back into Gary's room, and the door came open again. Mm-hmm. He walked over and shut the door, and then he kind of jumped around a little bit in front of the door to show that it won't just come open because yeah. of vibrations. And the door opening, they didn't get to the very beginning, but they got it still opening, and him doing that little demonstration on video also. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this stuff that happened, we have on video. And trust me when I tell you this, none of this stuff was staged. Oh, hell no. None of Mm-mm. it. I can promise you that. None no. of this stuff was staged. Mm-mm. It was just, everything was just, it was just amazing. It was. You know, and Jerry, like he said, he'll go to a lot of places and he's like, yeah, well. Nothing. I get nothing. Nothing, nothing. But he was even like, he was all into it. It was just, it was awesome. So, yay. Yay, yeah, yay, yay. And then they even, when we left, they even saged us to make sure we didn't bring anything yes. home with us. So, so yeah. And then and uh, it's funny. We get there. One of our Facebook friends is Connor Biddle. He's, uh, he does Paranormal Encounters. Mm-hmm. You can go to YouTube and check that out. And uh, there was a picture of him and, and his partner up there. And I saw it and I, I took a picture of it and sent it to him. And he was like, oh, how cool is that? <laughs> and it turns out he actually just wrote a book. It's about to come out on Whispers Estate. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get him on the show probably next couple weeks. Nice. And uh, have him talk a little bit about some other stuff. But no, I've always wanted to go to that place. I was so ready to be disappointed, mm-hmm. like the Sally House and like so many other places we've been to. The only place I've really had experiences that were so-so was Waverly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Mackey's, we've, I've seen other people have experiences, mm-hmm. but I've not mm-hmm. experienced anything. But this was the real deal. This yeah. was... This makes me excited to go to definitely some other places. And we're going to go with them to the Rhodes Hotel up in Indiana, which our buddy Mike Couch owns. Mm-hmm. And all the proceeds of that go to the Lost Limbs Foundation. <sighs> it was fun, man. It was so fun. So you guys need to try to check it out. You will not be disappointed. All right. Let's take a quick sponsor break. And we'll be back to talk about some of the upcoming stuff. And we've got our interview with Sophia Temporelli that you guys are going to like. She's a treat. All right, Tracy, first and foremost, April 23rd, Saturday, Louisville, Kentucky, Usper, Ohio, and Mysterious Circumstances. Justin. It's going to be a blast. Tickets are on sale at hillbillyhorrorstories.com, and you can learn about the cruise and any of our upcoming events. That's the one I want to focus on because that's just a couple weeks away. Uh, let's sell as many tickets as we can and let's have a blast. We had a blast there last year for our mm-hmm. anniversary show that we did. We did. It was so much fun. Had about a hundred people show up. Mm-hmm. It's, at, it's at a VFW. So we were able to give some stuff back right. to uh, the veterans there and uh, they're excited to have us back. Yeah. We get, we get so excited because we get to 
see some old faces that's come before and we get to meet some new people and man 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 we just feel so blessed and we're counting down the days we're excited yeah we already know there's some people traveling because mm-hmm. mike dickerson's coming from uh oh yeah he's up around the kansas city area oh i didn't know mike was coming yep, he's Yay. coming and i know tiffany boots mm-hmm, is coming my and, girl uh, Amanda DeWeese. And yes. There. So there's a bunch of oh people. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Come on. Let's do this. It's going to be great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. And Yee. then I wanted to mention, again, the cruise, because there are still uh, tickets available for the cruise. And you still got plenty of time to still make some payments yeah. if you want to make like a four or five months worth of payments, because I think it's got to be in by, what, the end of June? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So where are we at? April? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'd be tough, but I mean, you could split it in three payments. If yeah, you definitely. To. Or Come if you're on. getting income tax returns or something yeah. like that. So. And I'm so looking forward to that, too. I cannot wait. Income tax returns? What's that? <laughs> I wouldn't exactly. know what that is. It's exactly. been so long. <laughs> the only time we get an income tax return is if we uh, send off our taxes and forgot to put a stamp on it. Yeah. And it gets returned. That's right. <laughs> ah, that was funny. <laughs> so, anyways, we're going to take a, um, um, a look at some other stuff we got going on. Uh, we've got the show coming up in West Virginia in August for mm-hmm. our sixth anniversary with Annie Weaves. Yes, my and, beautiful Annie. Yeah, they uh, they have such a fun show. Mm-hmm. And that's Serial Spirits podcast, by the way. Go check them out. They went kind of uh, they they were kind of quiet for a little while. They were straightening out life. They got a new daughter. Yeah, and everything. But uh, obviously, he was on the show um, last month mm-hmm. doing doing the uh, Patreon bonus show. But they're going to be, uh, Annie's going to be on with us uh, in two weeks. Awesome. She's got uh, a new podcast she's thinking about starting, and she lost a friend during COVID, and she has Aww. a very touching story about uh, some contact with him that she feels like. Aww. And uh, she's going to come on. It's going to be a very emotional story, I can tell you, because I've already heard the story. Yeah. And it was it was very sad. And it's, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I gave her... She was going to come on and talk about it, and I said maybe we should wait a couple months so you can kind of give a little distance time. yourself mm-hmm. a little bit. So, but now's the time, mm-hmm. and uh, okay, it'll, it'll be a good story. Oh, okay. All right, what you got over? Well, on our iTunes, we have T.M. Greams, Mojo Lobster, Kay Cummins, Donna, and Gypsy Moon. Our Patreons this week, we have Bad Annie and Denise Rossidi. I hope I said that right, sweetheart. Thank you, guys. We I, I know you guys probably get tired of writing reviews, but I hope you never stop because <laughs> it really means the world to us. And, you know, we just want to make sure that we're still keeping you guys happy and, and things like that. And we appreciate the support we get from Patreon. It, it's really it's really nice that you guys do that. And just thank you so much for taking the time out of your lives to do that for us. It means the world to us. You know, let's do something fun. Let's do this. What? So starting now, from the time you hear this until it's 6 o'clock Eastern time next Sunday, because mm-hmm. that's about the time we start recording. Anybody who leaves a review, even if you've left one before, write another one. Anybody who leaves a review... We will do a drawing next Sunday on the show, and we will pick one winner out of the people who leave a review, and we will send you a free t-shirt. Okay. So when you write the review, leave your name. 
Yeah, leave your name so we'll know who he is. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want anybody saying, "Oh, I was Animal Bill 15. Yeah, because <laughs> I won't have any way of knowing. So, in the review, leave at least your first name and last initial. Yeah, we got a lot of cool shirts to to pick. So, if yeah, you I'll, have... let, I'll let you pick the shirt you want. All right, just, exactly. I'll just send it to you. Yeah, yeah. How fun! So, yeah, do that. And then, like I said, the most reviews we've ever had in a week was, I think. 22. Oh, gosh. That was like so, so happiness. So even if that's the case, you got a 1 in 20 chance or someone mm-hmm. winning a free t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And chances are there'll probably only be about 15. Mm-hmm. So leave us a review and we'll make sure somebody wins a t-shirt next week. Sounds good to me. Bye-bye. All right. So let's listen to Sophia. Hey, guys. I'm excited to bring this one to you. Actually, I got this set up a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I unfortunately had to cancel the first time where she would have already been on. But I've got Sophia Temporelli on the show. She is an amazing podcast host. She is uh, the Ghost Host Podcast, as usual. Once you listen to this episode, you're going to want to listen to uh, her episodes. So I advise everybody to go and subscribe today to the Ghost Host Podcast. And uh, leave them a five-star review because I know you're going to want to. And then uh, make sure you tell her in a review that you heard her about her on Hillbilly Horror Stories. So without further ado, Sophia, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's great to be on. I got to start off with something I don't think I've brought up with any of our other guests. It's mm-hmm. your age. And I say that because you're 23 years old. And I've seen by some of the YouTube stuff and some of your pictures on your Facebook page, you have had the opportunity to interview some very big names. And it looks like you mediate maybe some uh, uh, little panels and stuff with with some celebrities out there as well. How cool is that to be able to be a, a horror fan and a paranormal fan and to be able to mingle with some of the biggest names in the business? I mean, honestly, uh, it just, it feels really normal to me because so many of the people in the field are my friends. Uh, my mom's best friend was Debbie Constantino from Ghost Adventures. Um, so it's just, it feels like I get to see friends again. Um, so I feel very fortunate with all the people I've been able to meet. Um, I did host a panel at the Ghostbusters Fan Fest. That was, that was a really intense day. <laughs> Moderation is no joke. Um, but it's it's just been an amazing experience. I mean, really just being able to become friends with so many amazing people in the field. Um, it's it's just really, I'm very grateful for it. And it doesn't feel like I'm meeting celebrities or anything. It's just like I'm able to see, you know, people I grew up with um, and, you know, just kind of reunite with them again and get to talk and meet new people. It's, it's really fantastic. Now, have you been on an, an episode of Ghost Adventures? Yeah, um, I was on their season 10, uh, episode one premiere episode of Ghost Adventures on the Queen Mary. Uh, That actually happened on my very last day of freshman year when I was 15. So it was, uh, it was really cool. I mean, they're all amazing guys. And it was it was a lot of fun, you know, getting to see Debbie um, and just investigating with them was really an honor. Yeah, Debbie's story obviously is tragic. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, sorry to your family for for their loss with with her being a close friend and everything. Thank um, you. I, I always give full disclosure when we talk about mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures. I, I'm not a huge uh, Zach Bagans fan. Not Zach Bagans the person because I don't know him as a person, but I, mm-hmm. I don't agree with his style of of antagonizing spirits. Uh, I, that's probably the best way I could put it. Uh, so. You know, anytime I, I bring somebody on that may be friends with Zach, I always like to tell them, I'd hate for you later to think that, oh, 
She said all this nice stuff. And then I found out later you said something bad. So, you know, just full disclosure, I don't know him as a person, so I can't speak to him as a person. But I, I definitely just have never agreed with his style of antagonizing spirits. I was just kind of found that disrespectful, but, you know, to each their own, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I completely understand. I mean, everyone has their own opinion on people as human beings and their investigative style. I personally don't um, antagonize ghosts on investigations. When I was investigating with them that particular night on the Queen Mary, neither were they. Um, And, you know, I know Debbie wasn't a fan of that either. So I, I think that's part of the reason it's great to investigate with other investigators to see different styles. Um, I think, you know, at least during the season that Zach was doing Ghost Adventures season 10, he wasn't doing that as much. And I think it's great to see because, you know, there are so many ghosts that are just people that passed on. They're not just demons. And I think that as people mature as people and investigators, you know, some things you may have done early on change versus, you know, what people do today. But, um, you know, I respect everyone's opinion on everything. I, I get, you know, Ghost Adventures is a big show. There's people that love what they do and there's people that don't and uh, that's completely fine. So uh, you have been investigating. We'd mentioned your age at 23 mm-hmm. You may have been the youngest paranormal investigator that I've ever heard of. Tell everybody how old you were when you started paranormal investigating. Yeah, so uh, I started investigating at eight years old. Uh, My very first investigation was on the Queen Mary. um, And um, I just fell in love with the field and have been investigating ever since. I actually lived in a haunted house. um, So, I mean, that really kind of (laughs) cements your interest and... um, you know, it just cements you in the field. I mean, you can't change those experiences. And it, it just, even if you left the field today, those experiences that you had living in a haunted home will never leave you. So I think the paranormal will always be with me, um, especially starting at such a, such a young age. So how do you get started as a paranormal investigator as eight? Was it uh, something that your parents had an interest in? Or was it something that uh, friends of the family said, hey, we're going to bring... Uh, mm-hmm you out on on a on a little trip that we're doing or how did it get started yeah so um my parents and i basically started at the same time uh, my parents have always been unique individuals i would say you know uh my dad's like an 80s drummer apparently when they were dating i wasn't there by the day but uh they watched the x-files and sightings so they really developed an interest you know and a love for things of the unknown together and separately they've always had just kind of an interest in the unusual parts of life uh, like that. And um, so they love sightings. They fell in love with the psychic on there, Peter James. They just loved his work and they thought he was great. And so my parents being, you know, the very normal people that they are decided for our 10 year wedding anniversary, what's the best thing to do? What's the most romantic thing? A ghost tour on the Queen Mary, of course. And um, they saw that Peter was hosting the tours and they said, well, my mom told my dad, she's like, Peter hosts the tours. We have to go. And for some reason, I just got jealous. I'm like, but I, I'm supposed to go. And uh, they're like, uh, let's ask Peter if that's safe for you. And he said, yes, um, all 500 ghosts on the ship are my friends. And I went on what would be his final tour. And I've been in the paranormal ever since. Um, I do have to say, I think I probably had experiences in the house that I lived in from a time I can't remember. So I think part of my interest and uh, just, you know, being drawn to the field stems from memories that are 
really repressed from such a young age. I mean, I've always had an interest in, you know, like Scooby-Doo, um, the Hex Girls. I love vampires. So I think it's always been with me, but that's kind of how I got started. They went on a tour and then I went on the next one. And Peter James, I always loved him too. Uh, sightings was, you know, your parents and I are probably around the same age. And back then there really wasn't anything like that. I always say you had to wait for Halloween and you'd catch some of these shows that would come out just around Halloween time. Sightings was one of the first shows that was really, you know, all scares all year long. It didn't matter. And it was like mm-hmm. something I was glued to. And and Peter was always fabulous. And without a doubt, the best, best mustache in the paranormal. So yeah, um, actually on his final tour, that was the second time uh, my parents had met Peter in person. He asked my dad to co-author his book, Heaven, Can You Hear Me? And uh, that also really kind of propelled us in the field as well, because my dad went from writing this book to going to events to, you know, get Peter's words out there, his life story out there. Um, so we started going to events. That's how we met, you know, Debbie and a bunch of different people um, who are, I guess, celebrities in the field. Um and uh, that really helped when I started my show. But that that kind of helped, too, because, you know, we went from just being, you know, I guess, weekend investigators going on this one tour to, you know, going to events, meeting all of these seasoned investigators, being able to go on all these incredible tours um, at events, uh, Linda Vista Hospital, the Queen Mary. Uh, so it was just a really amazing progression. And um, I think it happened kind of fast after that. What's the most active place that you've investigated? Uh, definitely the Queen Mary. Like, I know it kind of sounds overhyped, but that ship is, I mean, it's something else. You can hear, you know, kind of audible voices in the engine room. You can't quite make out what they're saying, but you can hear someone talking. Um, there's what I believe a very dark spirit in the pool area who I call the shadow man. And, um, He's really intense. I don't like him. He doesn't like me. It's the only mutual thing we have in common. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you are never disappointed when you go there. Uh, I think that, you know, some days are more active than others, but I think most of the time you're able to always capture something there and always have a different experience. Are they still doing uh, tours and investigating out there? I know I watched an episode Mm -hmm. of uh, a documentary not too long ago. Of course, it was closed down for COVID for a while. But then uh, they were talking about that the ship needed so many repairs. They weren't even uh, they didn't even know they were going to be able to even get it to where people could uh, do tours on it anymore. And they were talking about possibly having to scrap it, which was a horrible thought because I've always wanted to go there. And it was on my list to go there uh, this coming year. And uh, so I don't know, what's, what's the status right now, if you know? Uh, yeah, so I'm actually a Long Beach native. I don't live too far from the Queen Mary. Uh, that's part of the reason why I've gone there so many times. We used to live like five minutes from it. Now it's a little bit further, but still pretty close. Um, and um, yeah, the city of Long Beach, uh, they, I would say, mismanaged the handlement of the ship. They would lease it out to different companies who were supposed to, they would give them money to do repairs. They never did the repairs. And it's a very old ship. I mean, it's the same age as my grandmother and she just turned 86. So, I mean, that's pretty close to 100. And so it's, you know, wear and tear through the years. Um, So there's a lot that needs done. Um, They were going over a lot of different possibilities. Uh, I think currently they're looking at having a federal um, kind of monument. So it has like a federal status um, to be protected. And um, 
yeah, so currently they are, it's still closed down, um, not only from COVID, but just due to maintenance. They have it completely shut down to work on all of the repairs and they should be opening it back up in summer. And right now it's just up in the air what to do with it next, um, which is, you know, have it become a federal monument or, you know, what to do with it, um, kind of, I guess, title wise of how best to care for it. Give me an example of one of the experiences that you've had on a board, the Queen Mary, that was uh, that you found the most interesting. Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, there's so many. I personally love just being able to hear kind of like the voices audibly in the engine room. I think it's really cool. You can hear whistles um, by the propeller box and no one's around, which I think is really interesting. I would say kind of you know, just being able to see the shadow man for so many years. Like I said, he doesn't like me. I don't like him. He's kind of creepy. He lurks. Um, And the most intense I ever saw him was the night of ghost adventures. It was the first time. So normally if you've never been to the Polaria, they have low lighting in there. Um, So if anyone goes in there, you can still see a little bit, but you're not going to fall in um, because some people who are drunk have made their way to the pool and fallen in <laughs> i mean there's no water but you still don't want yeah. to fall into it and i think i'd rather fall into it with water than no water <laughs> i don't know because if you're drunk i don't know if you can make it out i mean <laughs> there's no support beams actually under the pool so you can't actually fill it oh okay that's, that's part of the reason that. why people don't go in there uh they have loose tiles and when they dock the ship they remove the support beam so it can't handle the weight of the water uh, also why people don't step foot in the pool. Um, so normally it has low lighting in the night of ghost adventures. They had had it fully dark and it was the first time I'd ever been in there like that. And when I say, you know, the shadow man had gotten so much more intense and powerful. It, he really was, it was, I mean, an amazing night and investigation. Um, I could kind of, I'm not psychic. I would say I'm more of a sensitive, so I can see him. And he, he was in multiple places at once, which I get it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. And he was on the upper top right hand balcony and I could feel him over there. And Zach was up in that area and he actually got rushed by a ghost. My mom heard the footsteps of the ghost running at him. And I mean, it's just things like that, you know, I've never seen that happen to anyone. And the EVPs we caught that night were. They were not happy that we were there. They used (laughs) language that was not good for TV. (laughs) And it was so clear. I mean, I've never heard EVPs like that. Just a very angry man's voice. And uh, to me, that was just really incredible to catch. And um, yeah, I've never seen the whole area like that again. I honestly kind of try and stay out of there because he just really freaks me out. I don't like him at all. I mean, I went in there one time and uh, I felt like something bad was going to happen if we stayed there. And uh, I I truly believe that he's capable of, you know, harming someone. So say the shadow man is definitely my worst experience and he's just continual throughout the years. So my next question, you might have just answered. I usually ask uh, paranormal investigators uh, about a time that they were either the most scared or intimidated or uh, whatever the case mm-hmm. would be. Would that be the case for you? Or has there been one, uh, another investigation that had you a little more freaked out? Yeah, I actually, I, uh, I had one since uh, that was the one that freaked me out the most. Um, 
I would say just because of the the aftermath, just the the way I feel so uncomfortable in the pool area now. But I was investigating um, out of state, and I mean, we were doing an Estes method, and I was, you know, the the man I was with, he was under the Estes method, and uh, we were with the family um, at their haunted home and location, and I was asking the questions and we were getting responses that were just really dark and they made me very unnerved. For me, it felt like, you know, Clarice talking to Hannibal Lecter. I mean, it (laughs) was really unnerving. And I I definitely ended the session when uh, the ghost said smile because it just felt very creepy and unnerving. And I I genuinely left there very freaked out because I was, you know, worried about an attachment or something like that. Just everything they were saying was so dark coming out of it. And I was like, wow, this is really intense. Um, I had never experienced anything like that before. Um, Because, you know, starting at eight, you don't typically go to darker locations. You go to locations where you feel it may be a bit more safe to go. And so that was my first experience, just having a spirit just go like, full Hannibal Lecter creepy and I was like you know I don't think I really enjoy the conversation we're having right now do you take precautions before you do any type of investigating any kind of crystals or any kind of uh, oils or anything Mm -hmm. like that I don't personally um and I'll tell you why I completely respect people that do I just personally don't believe they work um living in a haunted house I grew up in that house from the time I came home from the hospital up until 11 years old when we moved out. And when the activity started happening, I was stalked by this ghost. I mean, constantly, I was so unnerved and uncomfortable at every point in time. I was miserable. And there was nothing anyone did. We had people come siege the house. We had people come investigate the house. Nothing did that anyone did helped. Nothing. And I was being terrorized daily. And so I truly believe if a ghost wants to harm you, they're going to, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, that's just how I feel. If it works for other people, I mean, that's great. Uh, I completely respect that. But for me as an individual, I just don't think it's going to help me. I'm kind of in the same boat. I've I've never been a a big believer in crystals or Mm -hmm. um, uh, sage or any, I mean, I know this sounds kind of, uh, crazy because it's not like you said it's not taken away from those who believe mm-hmm. but to me i'm like okay so i just burn these this uh spice in the house and it makes ghosts leave and to me in my head i can't gather around why that would make sense and, I, and i've asked i don't know how many people in the business that that use sage why sage oh it's got to be white sage why white what i mean mm-hmm. what's the difference between sage and oregano or paprika where one works for ghosts and the other one wouldn't. I mean, and I've never really had anybody give me a good explanation other than, oh, it's just what, the way it's always been. And so I don't know. I just, it just never made sense to me that burning sage would cause a, a ghost to leave or not. And then you see plenty of stories where it's like, oh, it worked for a little bit and then they came right back or it made stuff calm down just a little, but it still was still there. And I'm like, well, then that doesn't make sense. If it's supposed to work, it should work, you know. If I put out rat poison, it doesn't leave some of the rats. <laughs> it's just the way yeah, that it is. Yeah, I mean, you hope. <laughs> yeah, you would hope. Yeah. So how long did you guys live in that house? Uh, well, so my 
my father, he's adopted, but his father was a paranoid schizophrenic. So my dad had actually grown up in that house. Uh, I think from the time he was brought home from the adoption agency until he was nine years old. Um, and then he had to move out due to my grandfather's mental illness. And after my grandfather died, he died in the house. He was not the ghost that was stalking me, though. Uh, my parents moved back in right after they got married. So I think that was 97. I was born in 99. And then we moved out in about 2010. So my parents lived there for probably 13 years. Plus my dad's combined nine. So he lived there probably over 20 years and me, I lived there 11. Okay. And do you have any clue who the ghost was that was stalking you? And when you say stalking, did, do you mean he followed after you moved out of that house? No, thankfully he didn't. But I mean, I couldn't get dressed without him watching me. I couldn't watch TV without him watching me. I couldn't go in the kitchen. I couldn't play video games. I couldn't watch TV. There was not a single thing in my life I could do where he was not there. And he wasn't a good spirit either. He was he was a bad ghost. And any psychic that came over said the exact same thing. He was only focused on women. So any man, if you walked in that house, you would never know it was haunted. You would absolutely not know. Um, but if you're a woman, you would just feel someone constantly watching you. He watched me sleep. He watched my mom sleep. He made any woman that was my mom's friend physically uncomfortable going in there. He watched my cousin sleep. And I mean, the, my cousin actually saw a man standing over us while we slept. She actually physically saw a man. Um, I don't know who he is. Like I said, my grandfather was a paranoid schizophrenic. So after my dad moved out, my grandfather became a ward of the county and LA County back in the 80s and 90s took very poor care of um, their their wards. So my grandfather died without electricity, heat, uh, running water. I mean, he literally just died in the floor of what was my father's bedroom. So there were homeless people coming in and out and there could be a number of reasons why he's there it could be a number of people it could have been during that time it could have been before but since nothing was recorded of people just coming in and out i mean you really have no idea uh we lived by the beach and it was very busy street so you you had easy access when you have a frail man that cannot defend himself that's a sad story. Uh, it's it's a shame that that people weren't taken care of the way they should be taken care of and it's especially sad mm-hmm. that you know, it's the the state's responsibility to do that in some of these cases, like in that situation. And and you can't depend on your tax dollars to actually go for and, and be handled the way they should be. It's sad. Yeah. And my, my grandfather, you know, before he started showing these signs of, you know, paranoia and schizophrenia, he was a very intelligent man. He was, he had a doctorate of economics. Um, he, he was very good with everything. He was born in Italy. He actually used to guard the Pope in Vatican City. He was the guy that wore the black suits it would take a bullet for the globe uh so he was lived you know a great life and just this mental illness took over him and i personally think that yes he was mentally ill but i actually think that the spirits in that house uh kind of fed into that and made it worse for him that would make sense i mean it happens on so many different occasions that they they feed off of off of somebody who's lost some of their their faculties yeah, my, my grandmother actually said, you know, when my dad was little and they were living in that house, a neighbor came over and goes, your house is haunted. And she's like, yeah, okay, okay sure. 
just like, what do you do when someone just tells you that? Um, so I, I really think that that contributed, um, to, you know, whatever was going on with him because, you know, he was so devout in his faith that any spirit that knew that could just play angels and demons with him. And he's gonna, he's gonna go for it with the mental illness and just his core beliefs. Uh, so, I mean, it's, sad what happened to him and uh you know i when we had psychics there they said he's just still kind of in a confused state um so he definitely was not the ghost that was doing that but we have no idea who it could have been so you live in in california so there's mm-hmm. two other uh well-known haunted places that we'll discuss besides the queen mary have you ever done any kind of investigating at uh, the winchester mystery house or the Whaley House? No, I have not. I mean, I would love to go to both. Uh, the Winchester Mystery House is quite a drive from me. It's like... Yeah, I, I figured it was pretty... Because it's in San Jose, so that's yeah, quite like a bit away from... Yeah, it's like six or seven hours or... I'm, I don't know. I'm not really good with time, but it's really far. We I drove to San Francisco with my aunt once, and that was, was a horrible drive. Uh, so, I mean, I would love to go there, but yeah, it's, it's really far. And the Whaley House, too, is a great place, but, you know, still two hours away. California is pretty long, so tons of places that can take you an extreme amount of time. Yeah, it's like Texas. So, for people who haven't listened to your podcast, podcast is Ghost Host. We are talking to Sophia Temporelli. Tell them what they get when they tune in. Give me the best description of your podcast. So if you listen to my podcast, um, it's the ghost show on liveparanormal.com every Saturday from 12 to 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, my show is where I get you know people from TV shows on, paranormal investigators, cryptozoologists, parapsychologists, um, psychics, uh, just pretty much anyone from all aspects of the field. Uh, you can hear them um, being interviewed by me, hear their background, how they got started, uh, what projects they're currently working on. If they're on a show uh, this weekend, I'm having Katrina Weidman on. She'll be promoting Portals to Hell with Jack Osborne. Uh, just talking about, you know, what they do as investigators, what they do as psychics, um, and just, you know, if they're a team, uh, find, if you're a listener, find someone that it, you feel fits best for you if you live in a haunted home. Um, how best to get started in the paranormal, if it's a psychic, how best to develop your psychic abilities, you know, or if you need to talk to a past loved one, someone that really fits you and you feel comfortable talking to. Um, it's just to help get know, get to know people in the field better, I would say. Well, Sophia, it's been an absolute blast talking with you today. And uh, I would I would love to be able to uh, uh, meet you at some future event or something. Do you have any events or anything you've got coming up in the near future? Not currently. I will be on a few radio shows. Um, I know things are just starting to pick back up here in California. So um, I know Paracons are just now being planned. So I would love to, you know, go to more events and uh, just investigate more. I think it's just an incredible field. And I would love to, you know, go to the Winchester Mystery House or the Whaley House and you know, hopefully be able to go to the East Coast someday, too. I would love to see all the locations over there. Awesome. Sophia, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. She is a very impressive young lady. Yes. It seems like she's not very old. And it just seems like she's really 
I don't know, gone a lot, or I can't I mean, say, she's, not she's, gone a lot. She's but, had this podcast for, you know, six years. Well, yeah, that's why, that's or, what I'm or, trying to say. Means, like, like, she's had a lot of experience for such a young age. Actually, I, I, she's had this podcast for 10 years. Yeah, good so, for her. I mean, think about that. She was 13 when she started the Isn't podcast. that something? Like and I know it. That's impressive. You go, girl. And I like the fact that her dad gets all of her guests and stuff. It's like a little family operation. It's very nice. I love it. I think it's a great thing. I wish we could get Coda back into some of this, but yeah. you know, how it is. What, I, I can sneak her on on occasion, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I take what I can get. Yeah, but good for her. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Go get your tickets for the Louisville show. If you're a member of the group or a member of our Facebook page or friends with Justin me or Tracy and, or mm-hmm. Justin or anybody on Facebook, I'll make sure that the link's posted again there so you can just catch it from one of their pages. Yeah, perfect. And we cannot wait to see you guys. We are so excited. Yep, we got a bunch of brand new design t-shirts. Um, sh- yep. Uh, uh, I'll, ha- I'll have books. I tried to say shirts and I almost said shh. Shirts? <laughs> we won't have shirts, I can promise oh, you. Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, it depends There's, on if my metformin is doing That's right. It's come close a couple days. <laughs> but yeah, we got a bunch of cool stuff. And we got some cool stuff in the works about some stuff that we may be starting up. Yeah, hopefully. We'll hopefully. see. We'll see. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Y'all have a blessed week.